This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and in the evenings on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Friday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Patrick here today. We had a lot of things to get to. Uh, Michael Broadcorp, our football expert, will join us in uh, coming up here in the uh, uh, 4 o'clock hour here locally to talk about the Super Bowl here. Uh, Patrick, how are we today? Doing well. I've got my own super sports weekend. I've got quite a lot of hockey between now and the end of tomorrow night. So, None of it outdoors, I'm presuming. Uh, nope, not outdoors. <laughs> All indoors, which might actually be colder than it is well, outside. Can, <laughs> I, they're supposed to, over in St. Paul, they're supposed to do these snowboarding on the streets there. I mean, are they aware we have no snow at this point? Oh. Well, then again, they are extreme sports oh, people. Does. You never know what extreme sports Suck people it up, will do. extremos. <laughs> Extremos is, by the way, trademark at this point. Uh, you and I have opened up a cauldron of controversy. Do you know this? I did not know this. You and I have opened up a, well, it's more me. So you can point to me and say, get him. But um, yesterday I talked about Rubens. Now, um, I have always gone with the five ingredient Reuben, you know, corned beef, sauerkraut, delicious. Um, uh, Swiss cheese, Thousand Island dressing, and pumpernickel bread. And I, I've, I've, after I got some feedback here, I've gone back in time and thought to myself, okay, every Reuben I've ever had, what kind of bread was it on? Because I immediately got pushback saying, Matt, you're wrong. It's on a rye bread. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Pumpernickel is a rye. It's a version of a rye, isn't it? It's a pumpernickel rye bread, I think. I could not say 100% for sure, <laughs> no, but are, I'd kind are, of up your alley on that. The baker staff here, can we check out with the bakery in the back here to, to see what they're going with what they say about it? I, I've always understood Rubens. I've always had Rubens on pumpernickel. I've always had Reuben. Well, not always. I mean, I've had a few times where I've gone and gotten a, a dark rye or that marble where they do the spinny thing. Uh, that Sometimes I'll get that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, that's a great look on a bread. That's it, it basically like it's a, you know, a, you know, a change scene in a Batman episode. It, I, I don't, I'm not against rye bread. I like rye bread. Good rye bread's delicious. But the majority of Reubens I've ever had have been on pumpernickel. The vast majority of them. I've also been scolded, scolded, I say, because apparently the sauerkraut thing that you and I talked about yesterday, that's a Rachel 
But I thought Rachel's had turkey on them. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, yeah, because you'll see that on the menu. You'll have you. It'll be a Reuben or a Rachel, and it's the choice of turkey or corned beef. Corned beef, and I've actually seen Rachel's with turkey and cheddar cheese, and no sauerkraut, but the coleslaw on there. Yeah, I, that's how I've always seen a Rachel. I mean, but so, but now that one's only one person saying this to me that the Rachel is actually just a Reuben minus the sauerkraut adding coleslaw. But that doesn't seem to to jibe with a lot of the restaurants I've been in. But I'm dead serious when I say the vast majority of Reubens, and trust me, Reubens and Patty Melt, I mean, that could be my porn channel. That is my action right there. All right. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Reubens and Patty Melt. Coming up, Matt's next OnlyFans. Oh, yeah, well, it's, you know, it, it, watch the drizzle. Anyway, um, God. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I love Rubens. I love Patty Melts, too, by the way. I'm all over that action. But I, I, I love Rubens, and I've had tons of them at restaurants, whether that's a, like a golf course or at a nicer restaurant, a sandwich place. I've had them tons of times. I've had them throughout Wisconsin, in Minnesota, in the East Coast. The vast majority of time, it's on pumpernickel. And so, I I mean, now, I'm not saying everyone else couldn't be wrong, but I don't think everyone else is wrong. And And I think maybe this is one of those things where there might be a personal history, like, no, this is how it is. And they're kind of coming at me because I'm just the easiest target. Let's face it. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I you know every Reuben I've ever had. Well, on the, no, I'm not going to say that because it's not because I've had the twist. I've had the 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 rye Reuben combo platter bread, and I've had rye bread occasionally. As a matter of fact, there was a there's a deli here in town that actually had a thick cut rye, very solid endeavor, very buttery too. <laughs> oh, you tease! Like I said, porn channel. But uh, it's it you know they, they I've had that before, but it's the vast majority of times it's pumpernickel. So and that's what I'm doing tomorrow with the George Foreman grill. Yeah, you do, that the George Foreman grill. That's how you do it. That that right there. I did that last year because I had been doing it broiler style in the, the oven, toast the bread, then put everything together and then broil it. And too much work, man. The, the, you know, a, 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 the George Foreman grill, you know, as long as it's not in your bed with you in the morning, it is a fantastic endeavor. Absolutely. Got a, a question for you about uh, what kind of corned beef do you go for? Do you uh, cook it yourself? Oh, I, if I could only do so, because that's, I think, is the best. Because I love, we are almost to St. Patrick's Day. Oh! One of my favorite food days of the entire year. Who doesn't like everything boiled? The corned beef, if you uh, will make up corned beef, I'll actually make up two whole corned beefs. One I'll just put right in the fridge because then you get that nice slice on it. And that, and it, and it it's malleable and it piles high. And ugh. Have you ever been to one of the delis out in New York City, man, when they stack that stuff? I uh, don't think I got to one. It was on my list, and oh. I didn't quite get there. You and I go to New York at some point. We ever take this show on the road. You and I are going to New York. We're going to stop by one of the delis and get that because that is, you know, that's like a baby, and it's the most delicious baby. Oh, oh, should not give Republicans any ideas. <laughs> no, I love that. 
And that is good corned beef. Good corned beef is is tasty. Um, I will go to a, and I'm actually going to do this after the show tonight. I'm going to a specialized deli to get a specific kind of corned beef, which I've had better results with. Um, nothing against one of the certain grocery store chains in town, but it's a little rubbery. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's not a really good corned beef. Yeah, because I was thinking, the only thing I wanted was, uh, no offense to you, Mr. John Morrell, but uh, I'm not putting you on my sandwich. <laughs> Oscar and Meyer, you say. Wow. Um, <laughs> no. They're, they're, hey, corned beef, you float your boat. Like I said, I'm going to be, I, I am making a hot tub size vat of the Velveeta and Rotel. I'm, I'm no better than anyone. Just dive into that sucker because that is as good as it gets. It's as good as it gets. But yeah, I got to tell you the truth. I, 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 I'm, I'm a fan of that pumpernickel, man. I'm a fan of that pumpernickel. 952-946-6205. You can, you can absolutely destroy me by the way. In the comment section of the live streams, we are streaming live everywhere. I don't know why. Like I said, Rubens and, 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 and Patty Melts. Uh, we are streaming live. If you want to take me to task or if you're like, no, Matt, that is wrong. You are, you're, you're off base there a little bit. You are more than welcome to take me to task and, and, and be gentle. Be gentle. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. The Chicago folks have got to be, I, I imagine, because I mean, if anyone knows it, it's got to be them. And about what what the bright bread is for that, I I've got to believe Chicago knows this. And like I said, maybe it is everybody else. Maybe it is, you know, and it could be Wisconsin. You know, it it's 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 it could be Wisconsin, could be Minnesota, could be you know, the East Coast when I've gotten them out there. But I've always gotten them on pumpernickel, good mustard sometimes, just just a corned beef sandwich sometimes. Oh, fantastic! Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. All right, happy feeling gone. Uh, it's time for me to take the rest of this hour and absolutely dismantle what happened yesterday after the show in regards to the report that came on out um, that Mister Her uh, did deliver in regards to Joe Biden and the documents case, because as, as you probably can imagine, and, and I'm not the only one by any means, this is, this stinks. And it, it, there's a lot of things we need to to focus on and really take to task here. And and, and one of the truth, her does deserve a lot of criticism. So Robert Hur her delivers the the report here. A special counsel investigating President Biden said in a report released on Thursday that Mr. Biden had willfully retained and disclosed classified material after leaving the vice presidency in 2017, but concluded that no criminal charges are warranted, period. No criminal charges are warranted, period. The evidence does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, said Mr. Hur, a former Trump Justice Department official appointed by Attorney General General Merrick Garland in January 2023 to lead the inquiry after classified files were found in the garbage and living areas of Mr. Biden's home in Delaware 
and in his former office in Washington. In recounting his interviews with the president, Mr. Herr portrayed him as unable to remember key dates of the time in the Obama White House. Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury as he did during our interview with him as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory, Mr. Herr wrote. He cited Mr. Biden's age by the time he the office, either in 2025 or 2029. As an adding factor, it would be difficult to convince a jury that a former president well into his 80s was guilty of a felony that requires a mental state of, uh, mental state of uh, willfulness. Mr. Herr added, suggesting the president had flouted the law even as he concluded that prosecutors did not have the evidence to prove that in court. The report uses highly prejudicial language to describe a commonplace occurrence among witnesses, a lack of recall of years of events. Uh, this is Biden's uh, lawyers wrote back, adding the language is not supported by the facts, nor is it appropriately used by the federal prosecutor in this context. Mr. Herr's report was made public. Trump sent out the image of Biden's garage with his campaign email, along with the claim unsupported by any evidence that he cooperated far more than Mr. Biden. In fact, Mr. Herr noted that Mr. Biden had fully cooperated with the investigation, allowing investigators unimpeded access to his properties. Mr. Trump has been accused of misleading the government for months over the hundreds of highly classified documents in his possession and having his personal staff move boxes as officials were seeking their return. In the report's introduction, Mr. Herr suggested that Mr. Biden's cooperation with the investigators was a factor in his decision not to bring charges. Unlike Mr. Biden, Mr. Trump refused to, to return the materials he retained. So more on this when I do come back pretty much the rest of the hour. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Try to make it last. Matt McNeil Show here on your Friday. Good to be with you today. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So uh, let me go back, just finish reading what this, this, this article here is. Uh, unlike Mr. Biden, Mr. Trump refused to return the documents he retained after being given multiple chances to return the documents to avoid prosecution. This is what Her wrote. Um, Her was uh, bound by Justice Department legal policy that makes sitting presidents immune from being charged with crimes in office. But he said that his decision not to pursue criminal charges would have been the same even if regulations had allowed him to indict Mr. Biden. All right. So basically what you have is a hit piece. You have you have her writing a hit piece on Biden. And it's because he couldn't find anything on him to charge him with a crime. I want to repeat the points from the beginning of this article. Um, no criminal charges are warranted. That's what he said. He also then came on back and uh, made the point. Um, he said, there is no, the evidence does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt that very clear there. And then at the very end there, I, I made the, this is all out of the New York times. Um, with, you know, he said there, there was the, he said his decision not to pursue criminal charges would have been the same, even if the regulations had allowed him to indict Mr. Biden. So he did not find anything, you know, he, he said, you know, it might stink and yeah, he did it, but Biden was very forthcoming. He you know, met with him, gave all the uh, documents back. And stuff like that. This stuff about him going after his mental acumen is just, it's kind of, I mean, 
this was by intent. Let's just be very clear here. This was by intent. And I, I want to, I guess the, the first place I want to go with this is Merrick Garland. <sighs> Merrick Garland, you freaking idiot. I am tired. What, what, if, if you are listening in Chicago, you have only been listening for a few months. Hi. One of the things you're going to learn about me is I think the greatest mistake the Democratic Party has made in the last 25, 30 years is that we've become betrothed to the moderate Democrats. These people that wake up every day and say, how do I get the Republicans to like me? That's not a political party. Now, I know moderate Democrats who are undeniable Democrats. The governor of my state of Minnesota is one right now, Governor Walz. He's a moderate, but he's a Democrat. And proof of that is in that legislation that you just put forward uh, this last last year, which was very progressive, he signed off on it because it was a Democratic agenda. Now, I, I've said there is a lot of moderate Democrats who would not have done that, who would not have done that. And the reason why is because I guess they want to sit at the lunch table with the Republicans. The, the Chris Hayes put out this incredible statistic. Bill Clinton was investigated by Ken Starr, who was a Republican. George W. Bush was investigated by Patrick Fitzgerald, who was a Republican. Hillary Clinton was investigated by James Comey, who was a Republican. Donald Trump was investigated by Robert Mueller. He was a Republican. Joe Biden was investigated by Robert Herr, who is a Republican. That's right. And you see, is this just highlights the stupidity of Merrick Garland and the moderate Democratic mentality. Because the, the first thing they think about is, how do I look neutral? How do I look middle of the road? I know I'll find the most conservative Republican to do the investigation. Then when he finds nothing wrong, it will make us look good. Unless he basically has an agenda like her does. He had an agenda. And he couldn't find anything, so he basically decided to put in some inflammatory comments to make it seem like something else was going on. And Merrick Garland, the hell with you, dude. You should have known this. I am tired of the moderate Republican mentality that I'm going to go for the freaking participation ribbon as opposed opposed to first place. And that is a problem is you're already saying, well, well, as long as we can work with the other side, we'll take the loss. No, you shouldn't be that way. And I'm not saying you put in someone so blatantly biased that, that you couldn't possibly get any kind of closure on it. But you don't know, one of the things you notice here, the Republicans don't put Democrats in charge of their investigations. Why? Because they don't have to. There's this stupid, moderate, Democrat mentality, we've got to take the high road. How's that doing for you? Because the last I've seen the last 30 years, Democrats have gotten freaking pantsed because the moderate Democrats have sold them out left and right because they have their own agenda. Now, granted, I've often said, I think a lot of these people have the same mentality, which is They're old Republicans. They're old, moderate Republicans whose party has left them so just to find a home, they've come to the Democratic Party. 
But Merrick Garland, dear Lord, I get the impression if you would have made it to the Supreme Court, when the Roe v. Wade ruling would have come down, you would have said, you know what? I don't want the Republicans to think I'm political, so I'm going to rule it with them. Stop it. You basically went out there with this idea, this, well, we'll do this, and the next time the Republicans will do the same. You freaking moron. How many times do you have to get a wedgie before you realize you can't trust them? No. Part of the reason why this exists is this stupid, moderate, Democrat, uber allis mentality in this party, which says you have to basically do what the Republicans say, or else we're going to look like we're got an agenda. Meanwhile, the agenda patrol on the right has no problem with this. And I'm not saying you fix the investigation, but you don't have to go on out there and serve up Joe Biden on a freaking platter just because you're so obsessed with this notion, this idea that you look like you're middle of the road. That was just stupid. And you should have known that. Merrick Garland, you should have known it. You've, you've tumbled in my eye. I have zero faith in you. And it wasn't like you were doing, you had a stellar report card in the first place. But how stupid could you be? You go find out some extremist far-right lawyer, put him in charge of the investigation. They couldn't find anything, but you think that would be the end of it? And yourself, I think you had a final review element of this. Isn't that what Bill Burr did under uh, Mueller's investigation? And yet you said, okay, well, let's just let this go. You should have said, okay, you know, you need to leave this stuff out of here because that's not part of this investigation. So my biggest bit of ire right now is towards the modern democratic mentality. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It's the Matt McNeil Show in the evenings here on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota in Minneapolis, St. Paul. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. So I, Merrick Garland is a fool. I'm going to put the most Republican person out there. What could possibly go wrong? Mine, and once again, you got to look at the other side of the coin. Never do Republicans ever put a Democrat in charge of, a, of, of an investigation into a, a Republican. Why are you guys so, why do you guys always on the moderate Democrat side, why do you always insist on tying your hands behind your back and then insisting it's a fair fight? You guys are, you guys are so obsessed with your freaking participation ribbons. You don't know how to damn win. And that's the problem. And Hey, I can say this around Minnesota because you know what? The real Democratic Party, the Progressive Party, took over the Democratic Party this last session. We passed bill after bill after bill. 70% of the state right now loves the idea of free school lunch for all kids. The child tax credit, which is overwhelmingly favoring the poorest people in the state of Minnesota, is also, I think, what, 60% popularity. You know what? The rest of the Democratic Party is not afraid of freaking succeeding. But you guys have convinced yourself, the Republicans won't let us sit at the lunch table with them. If we pass this, we need to run everything through them. God, it just is predictable and annoying. 
And Merrick Garland is the poster child of ineptitude right now when it comes to any kind of leadership. You put a far-right Republican out there, and guess what? It ends up biting you in the butt because he talks about, let's get to the next thing here, something he was not supposed to actually do. He was there to look as a, a special counsel into Joe Biden's handling of documents. He was not there to give him a mental health evaluation. He's not a specialist. He is not a medical professional. He is not a mental health professional. At what point he including this in this file was a good idea, I don't know. It'd be like hiring a chef to come cook you food and you walk into your kitchen and he's ripped out all the plumbing and you say, what are you doing? He said, well, because I got to get to the plumbing. The plumbing's really the problem. So I asked you to make me some mac and cheese. I didn't ask for you to remodel my kitchen. The, the, the idea of this, and I tell you what, there's a reason why they did all this. And I'm going to get to that here in a little bit. There's a reason why they did all this, but this is so wildly out of place for him to do this. And as, as people have commented and, and many people have commented, his assumptions about Biden's mental health being based on the fact that he was asked a question or two about timelines and he didn't have immediate known answers at that second. And for God's sakes, Marjorie Taylor Greene walked into a courtroom and kept there sitting there saying, I don't recall, I don't recall, I don't recall, I don't recall. If Robert Hur was in charge of that investigation, I imagine he'd call her just you know, in a coma, I guess. Of course not. He, she's a Republican. Of course, he would, he, would, he would sweep it under the rug because that's what the Republicans do as opposed to the Democrats who basically say, hey, Republicans, come punch us in the crotch again. Stop it. And by the way, and once again, considering Donald Trump sounds like he's gibberish. He, he called Nikki Haley Nancy Pelosi. He basically is bragging because he found a whale on the, on the you know, post-stroke cognitive test. Here's the whale. Looks like a whale right there. You guys, the, 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 the fact that he went down this road, it was all political because he couldn't find anything wrong with what Joe Biden did. Not guilty. Not guilty. Once again, I'm going to go back and read from the article, New York Times article, which quoted the report. He said that no criminal charges are warranted. That's not a, well, we could charge him, but, you know, he's an old elderly man, so <laughs> we decided against it. He also came on down. He said, the evidence does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. That's not a, well, he's an old decrepit man. And then going back to the, the last comment that he made, he said his decision not to pursue criminal charges would have been the same even if regulations had allowed him to indict Mr. Biden. He himself could not find a reason to indict him. This wasn't, as it's been described by multiple people, on the right, and I'll get back to this here in a second, what they kind of portrayed it as is, well, he was, you know, guilty but mentally incompetent to, to go to trial. No, he clearly, her clearly multiple times in his findings said he did not do anything wrong. 
I could not find the reason to charge him. End of story. Adding anything else to that is grossly irrelevant. 91 to 0. Trump has got 91 indictments. 91 indictments against him. Joe Biden is still at the old goose egg. But <laughs> the way the way that he goes on out there and portrays this, and this has been portrayed as, wow, Joe Biden, wow, boy, oh boy. The way it's covered, you would have thought that he's guilty. No. Her basically, because because her was allowed to write this report, and, and I guarantee you Republican operatives got into his ear and said, put this here, put this here, put this here. This is a hit job. That's all this is. It's a hit job. And I'll get to her in a second because clearly that is what happened here. By the way, most of the documents that, once again, Joe Biden himself contacted the authorities, said, I still have these, and willingly gave them back and said, here they are. You're more than welcome to search everything I've got. Most of them, the reason why he had them were basically personalized notes that he was taken during the Obama White House that he did not realize became classified, and so he still had them. Now, it doesn't mean it's, it's right per se, but we don't have boxes of the stuff disappearing at Mar-a-Lago, hidden rooms, people secretly have, have that man over there move all the boxes because I don't want them finding them. Those are my souvenirs. I'm going to make tons of money selling all those secrets to the foreign governments. His own testimony kind of contradicts himself here. Summary on page one says there was willing, full retention and disclosure. Joe Biden doesn't sound like he's got any mental problems at all. Hey, I want to let you know I still got these. Here's the disclosure. Here you go. On page 215, it says there was a shortage of evidence on these points on whether or not there was culpability on his hands. Well, what is it? You just said there was willing, full retention and disclosure. You basically then coming back and later on in the old, your own argument saying, well, we don't know if we could get them. No, you've already said this. You contradicted yourself. You contradict yourself when you say to him, you're saying he's not guilty of a crime, but yet then implying that he somehow is guilty of a crime. Because that's what you did. You said he wasn't guilty, but then he said, but if I took him into court anyway, you know, old grandpa would say, oops, I'm, I've lost my mind. I don't know what. I can't prosecute him. Those are two separate things. There's a period there. He did not say he's guilty, but there's no point in trying to prosecute him. This was a hit job. And I should make sure we mention as well that this was the way the media covered this. I'll tell you what, I'll get to this in a second. The media covered this was atrocious. By the way, I want to go back to the thing that says sound familiar. Does this sound familiar to you? James Comey comes on out there and does a hit piece on Hillary Clinton right before the 2016 campaign. I've actually had multiple Democrats say, well, at least they've done this in February as opposed to October this time around. That was the whole goal. Reminder, Comey afterwards said, no, I think a lot of people misunderstood what I said. I, I didn't really mean what, the, what the, the media portrayed it as. Funny story, Comey never corrected that before the frickin' election. It was only afterwards. 
But I'll go back even further in time. What's Trump's biggest weakness? He's mentally unsound. He clearly is mentally unsound. Like I said, go listen to the deranged howler monkey exhibits that are his rallies. Ugh, he doesn't make any damn sense. Boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, chop, chop, boom. That's him. He's, he doesn't make any sense. And he makes tons of mistakes during his speeches. Tons of them. He is mentally unfit. Joe Biden's on the other side. Has a gaffe or two, but nowhere near as bad as Trump. Let's go back to 2004. What was going on in that election between John Kerry and George W.? W's military record was called into question because, well, he didn't really have a military record. Daddy paid me so I could go fly for Alabama. <laughs> I think it was on the Alabama National Guard or the Mississippi National Guard. Needless to say, he dodged the going to Vietnam. Thanks, Dad. Meanwhile, John Kerry, an undeniable war hero, an undeniable war hero, saved other soldiers, did bravery beyond bravery stance. Absolutely fantastic. What is Rovian politics? Take your opponent's strength and turn it into a weakness and hide your own weaknesses in plain sight. They swift-boated John Kerry. They implied that he was, he was not really a good soldier. They let him basically get ripped to shreds. And the day after the election, John Kerry has, has, has lost. He's conceded. And all of a sudden, Dick Cheney is like, I don't know where everyone got the idea that uh, John Kerry is not a decorated war hero, but uh, he is. And how dare anyone not you know, want to appreciate that? That was, that was, I haven't done the Cheney in a while. That got me a cough there. Uh, <laughs> that was what happened. I mean, he, he himself torpedoed John Kerry and then basically condemned the people that were echoing his own talking points, Rovian politics. Well, isn't that exactly what's going on right now? So what do you do? You have her go on out there. Robert Her goes on out there and does this hit piece which clearly seems to have been prepared to go viral on the right immediately as soon as it came on out. And what it does is it turns the news cycle into this, oh, look, look, look at Joe Biden is oh, mentally unfit. Well, they've got drooling orange boy in the corner eating paste. It's Rovian politics. It's once again, it's 2004 once again. By basically going after Joe Biden's mental fitness, they are hiding the, the troglodyte knuckle dragger that is Trump right in plain sight. And yeah, it's, it's shockingly effective. It's shockingly effective, which brings up the news media, if I can. My God, the New York Times, what a piece of crap that is. Democrats in panic mode over Joe Biden. What freaking Democrats are in panic mode over Joe Biden? I talked to some. You, you, you got a right-wing-fueled narrative that got pushed at you. And most of the national news media went right along with it. It was by design. Like I said, you don't see this kind of coordination unless something was going on. And 
her, I have zero doubt, had help from Republican operatives to write this the way he wrote it. And they were ready to go with news releases and press releases to go to the media who quickly said, Joe Biden is loopy doopy doopy. And that's about the dignity level that they put with it. This was, and and then comes the trolls. And trust me, this was, I've been doing this for long enough. I can see a setup from from a mile away. And the New York Times, even this morning, even this morning, the New York Times was, boy, Democrats are in big, big trouble. Well, I'm sure, did you guys get a check from the Republican Party or are you just too stupid to realize that you can sell yourself for money? Because I I think you need to get a paycheck. Next time, have them leave the check on on the dresser there, New York Times. Because they basically, you know, used you, played you like a freaking fiddle. This was... Once again, without a doubt in my mind, a coordinated campaign from the beginning. Because like I said, her shouldn't even be bringing up mental stuff. How dare you do that? Especially when your examples are no different than pretty much anyone that goes in to testify. You take something that happens to everyone and then you try to make it something that only Joe Biden does. I want to sit down right now with any one of you. Let's go back eight years. Let's go back 10 years. And I want you to tell me the date something that happened. And sure, you might be able to remember your wedding or the day a child was born or something like that. But would you remember most of the rest of it? Probably not. More on this when I come on back. It is the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. It is the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, just as good as I've always been, my friends. Uh, let's go to Matt in Minneapolis here really quick, because he's been holding for a while. Welcome on in, Matt. Hey, good afternoon, Matt. I, I hope your uh, recovery is going better and you're, you're kind of feel, starting to feel some semblance of being normal again after the accident. No, I appreciate it. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a good year. Let's put it that way. What's your thoughts today, Matt? Uh, um, so it's really interesting. Like Nikki Haley was really starting to pound on Trump with like his cognitive gas, you know, confusing her with Nancy Pelosi and whatnot. And it's really convenient that, you know, this guy does this hit job on Joe Biden, making it sound like he's like senile and everything. Oh, he can't remember stuff. And it's like, it really just stems home the, the, the whole thing that every every accusation by the right is a confession. I mean, like, yes. it's like, do the very thing that you're accusing your opponent of doing. Exactly. And Matt, that's that's Rovian Politics 101. Take your, take your opponent's strength and make it a weakness. And really the main strength that Joe Biden has right now is he's not a dribbling idiot in the corner like Trump is. He's not an anti-American insurrectionist like Donald Trump is. He's not a crook like Donald Trump is. He isn't a convicted rapist like Donald Trump is. And so they basically have to come on out here and, and, and do the smear campaign. And trust me, I have zero doubt that Robert Herr coordinated with the Republicans to put that language in there. Because once again, it contradicts his own findings. Oh, I can't charge him. There's no charges here. 
he hasn't done anything wrong. Nothing warrant. Nothing rises to you know you know um, you know a chargeable offense. And by the way, let's talk about her for a quick second. Republican served as the U.S. Attorney for Maryland from 2018 to 2020 after being appointed by Donald Trump's Attorney General Jeff Sessions. He previously clerked for two well-known conservative justices, including the arch-conservative Supreme Court Justice William Rehnquist. Prior to being a U.S. Attorney, her was an assistant to the U.S. Attorney in Maryland for several years. He also clerked for Rehnquist and former Judge Alex Kaczynski, the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Ninth Circuit. So two notoriously far-right judges. And he was appointed by Trump, who basically demanded a loyalty test. Yeah, it's it's this is starting to pan out. And then on top of that, and like I said, the fact that it this report, he for some reason as a lawyer felt like it was his job to you know basically do a you know a mental evaluation on Joe Biden, which was based on nothing more than anyone else does at these these hearings and these in, in these questioning sessions. He grossly exaggerates that, tries to use this as a, hey, I couldn't get him. Because trust me, if her could have found anything on him, he would have charged him. He couldn't find anything. So this is the consolation prize. I'll just smear him in the report. The fact that the news media had basically copy points in their hands immediately and ran with them. Part of that as well. But then comes the trolls, who's all of them all of a sudden hit almost all at once saying he didn't say he was not guilty. He said that he couldn't get a conviction. No, he said he was not guilty. Let's go back to the beginning of that thing there. The, he said, he, um, no criminal charges are warranted. It's not like he's saying he's guilty, but I can't charge him. He is saying, you know, I could not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. <laughs> he, he, he came back and he said as well, uh, you know, even if he could charge him, there wasn't enough for him to, 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 to do the charges if he wanted to do it, even if regulations prevented him from doing it. No, he very clearly said he was not guilty, but all of a sudden, just in line with the spin, with the talking points, with the compromised news media, with the, here come the trolls. And by the way, can I make it a point about the, the Republicans, which I find to be hilarious. These are the same Republicans that when a teacher teaches anything they haven't approved of that that teacher needs to be fired and run out of town but here is a special counsel a lawyer looking into a specific thing and basically puts out a mental evaluation even though he has to my knowledge i looked there was to my knowledge there was no mental evaluators there was no mental health specialists on his team it was all lawyers in the fbi at what point you did a mental evaluation to feel like you could include that in your report? Yeah, no, this is, it clearly was a fix. This was, this is clearly what this is. Which once again tells you the Republicans, let's, I mean, hey, they're disgusting. They're deplorable. They are, but they know how to do this stuff and they do it with freaking stinging efficiency. Merrick Garland was just too stupid to get out of his own way, appoints a far right-wing judge who basically seems to have the ear of the right-wing people telling him to put stuff in there that it's going to be able to use against him. And once again, Rovian Politics 101. Trump is a drooling idiot in the corner, so basically we have to make Joe Biden look just as bad as him. It's the Arby's Beef and Cheddar versus the actual crap sandwich. 
and they 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 got a hit in on this one. That's the that's the insanity part of this. Still zero charges against Joe Biden, ninety one indictments against Donald Trump. But today, how is the narrative out there that Joe Biden is just as incompetent as Donald Trump? No, Donald Trump's an absolute horrible human being. That that Joe Biden, that Donald Trump has never made a a, a false statement or or a, a vocal gaffe. Please. He makes them constantly. This is all by design. They've got to go paint that freaking pig, that orange fat pig. They got to go paint it and make it look like it's pretty. While at the same time, taking the guy over on the other side and making look, making him look like, well, he just is unelectable. This is the beginning. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. This was an attack. An attack welcomed by Merrick Garland, that freaking idiot. But it's the case. It was an attack. Moderate Democrats, you guided us down the wrong freaking path for 30 years. Get the hell out of the way and let the rest of the Democratic Party take over. And you know what? you might actually get some freaking majorities and the White House for a while. Because you know what? Most people are on our side and most people are not looking for leadership by bowing to the Republican Party. Chicago, have a great weekend. Talk to you later. Minneapolis, St. Paul, Hour 2 up next. Michael Broadcorp is our usually our political expert coming from the right side of the political aisle, but of course he is our football expert as well. We've had him on talking about the Vikings all season. We said we're going to have him back for the Super Bowl. Here is Michael Broadcorp. Michael, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. It's great to be back, even if we're not talking about the Vikings. Well, <laughs> that's a that's a pipe dream at this point. We'll I got a little Viking stuff to get to you with get to with you a little bit later on, but we are going to Vegas, uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, how, you know, overall, you know, it's it's a rematch from a few years ago. How excited are you about this game? I'm very excited about this game. And just to be clear, we're going to Vegas, meaning, but I don't get to go to Vegas because. If I get to go for AM 950, I'm ready to go. Bags are packed. I'm ready to take that ticket and go right now if we want to go. <laughs> well, uh, I I don't think the station budget's going to cover that one. You know, if, if heck, I don't even think most sports stations sports stations used to send like half the staff to the Super Bowl or the World Series. Now, if you know, you get one guy that's for like eight different stations. That's the one guy that gets to go. Yeah, no, it's going to be, first of all, yes, it'd be great to go. It's going to be a great game. Um, it's going to be a fantastic game. I think the, I'll tell you who I'm rooting for later, but I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, you know, San Fran and the Chiefs, it's going to be an action-packed game, uh, and it's going to be a great game to watch. It's going to be entertaining. The commercials are going to be great. It's going to be a wonderful game day experience, I hope. Watching the playoffs, uh, was there anything as we went through the playoffs? Was there any of the games that really kind of caught you off guard a little bit, or you were surprised by? You know, it was it is now the 49ers and the Chiefs. Was there any games that came back that you said, "Boy, that was I didn't expect that." Well, a couple things. I think you and I had raised. I think you and I had both said, Matt, that the Ravens were the team that we thought was. I mean, I thought it was going to be the Ravens in the in in the Super Bowl. I think it, I had said. I think we had both had said that the Ravens were kind of the team 
that we were had the the strongest potential, best team, particularly in the AFC, that they were the strongest team. And so the fact that they encountered that resistance from from Kansas City um, wasn't surprising. Um, it wasn't surprising that they encountered some resistance from from Kansas City, but you know, uh, Baltimore was a very strong team, and so I would have thought they would have made it in. Regarding the NFC, we had said, I think both had said that San Francisco was probably the strongest team in the NFC. I'm just glad that it's not the Lions because, as I posted on social media, had the I, I can handle a lot of things. I don't know what the edge is, but if if I was, I don't know that I would have been able to do this interview today with the possibility that on Sunday the Detroit Lions would be win, potentially winning a Super Bowl. So a lot of things that I can handle. But I'm just the Detroit Lions winning the Super Bowl before the Minnesota Vikings is going to push me over the edge. Again, I don't know where the edge is, but that's just too much for me to process right now. Well, <laughs> and I got to tell you that Lions game against the 49ers, one of the things the Lions, I mean, they really kind of pushed around the 49ers. And granted, the 49ers did what the Lions were doing to other people. They pushed them back, you know, to a point of almost penalties and stuff like that. But they the the the, the way their running lanes opened up and the way that they were able to kind of make the San Francisco defense look like they were running after, you know, after Lions players. I I was impressed with that. I mean, obviously 49ers came back to win that game, but I first I for a second there thought, I mean, are we looking at the Lions? Are they a team of destiny? And well, no, they're just the Lions. <laughs> yes, and and I and I just, you know, I wish I'm not I, what about us? And I just I'm glad that the, I'm just glad that we're not discussing the Lions because that would have been much more a difficult conversation for me to have because, boy, oh boy, I just want the Vikings to have nice things right now. But the Lions did great. They're going to be a tough team next season. I think the Packers are going to be a tough team. So uh, it's going to be a competitive division. But I think Sunday's game is going to be a real – it's going to be a real interesting game. It could go either way, I think. But I'd give the slight edge to, to Kansas City right now. Uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, I've, it, hey, it's become part of the story. She's going to fly back from Japan. I think she's in Japan for a show, uh, and then she's flying back for the game. The NFL is tickled pink. I mean, they haven't had numbers um, in the the younger generation showing up for the NFL like they've had this year, and a lot of them point to Taylor Swift as being a reason why. Uh, but yet, once again, there are just – I don't know why people want to go out and vilify one of the most popular people on the planet right now but there are some people that are like, I can't stand her. It's like, well, she's not on. I think it's great personally for football because it kind of brings a lot more together. Uh, your thoughts on Taylor Swift? I mean, you've already been saying it. You thought it was pretty good too. Uh, yes, Matt. And if I may, just 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 be very just candid with you and Claire. Uh, my my podcast host and I, Becky Share, uh, have discussed this at length. There's absolutely no question. First of all, I think it is absolutely fantastic for the NFL from a business standpoint. From a marketing standpoint, just in terms of building an audience, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Becky and I recently discussed it. She had some stats which showed that I think it had been flagged that around $332 million that the NFL believes that Taylor Swift and her fan base have brought in to the NFL. I will say this. The only criticism I have of Taylor Swift in this entire year of her involvement with the NFL is this. She went to Green Bay but she didn't come to U.S. Bank. Yes. It would have been great if she would have came to U.S. Bank. The only other thing is she's basically living my dream, which is <laughs> flying around the country, going and cheering for a successful team, and living it up at NFL games. 
I think it is absolutely fantastic what she's doing. She's bringing in a new audience. And if I can just put on my partisan hat for a second. Sure. It is atrocious how Taylor Swift and her fan base have been demonized by some MAGA Republicans and other things for simply going to a football game. Um, I have... Uh, I have tried to, uh, there, there has been not, as someone who has gone to NFL games since he was just a kid to now, I bring my family there. I want it to be a fun experience for them. Taylor Swift has not distracted in one iota from my viewing experience at home or any other game day experience that I've had. And all of this consternation boils down to what I think it is, is Taylor Swift's politics. She is incredibly popular. Um, I think some MAGA people are upset about, and some Republicans are upset about her political ideology. Who cares? This isn't Russia. She's entitled to have it. But I also believe it breaks down a much more serious dynamic, which is there are a bunch of men who are frustrated that that a woman is intruding into their NFL space. And whether it's politics or whether it's sexism, uh, the, the the criticisms toward Taylor Swift for just showing up at NFL, NFL games and having a fun time needs to stop because it's just bad. Yeah, and and I, I hey Travis Kelsey. I mean, when he scored the one touchdown and he does the heart gesture to her, I'm like, oh my god, this is all America right now. I mean, that's you know, it's it, of course it is. It's just how 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 are you against something like this? Because it's, it's it's fun now, and I I'm not necessarily. It's been entertaining to watch. I don't necessarily mean it, it's. I'm. It's Taylor Swift is pushing me to favor the Chiefs by any means, but I, I think that it's like if you can't look at what has happened here and the ability of of the NFL to really turn itself into that multi generational, much larger yes. issue, I, I think you're, you're missing the point. And I think the, the NFL. I, they don't care about the haters. They, they, they're they like, Taylor, any game you want to come to, we'll make sure we have it, everything you need. Yes, absolutely. And I think that all of this, I think she's doing nothing wrong. I think, I think her fan base is doing anything wrong. I think the NFL uh, is approached this in a very wise way. This is a tremendous asset uh, to the fan experience, the NFL brand. It's working, and they should do nothing to – Stop it. And in any of this type of criticism towards Taylor Swift is just misguided. One thing I'd point out, uh, MAGA Republicans and a lot of conservatives don't have any problem uh, cheering on um, uh, uh, other celebrities that are doing things like Kid Rock. Here's the truth of the matter. Taylor Swift is just more popular than Kid Rock. Yes. And so that's the only reason why they're that's why they're frustrated is because and they should maybe take a lesson as to why. Uh, you know, people's politics is not as popular as it was on maybe their side of the aisle on some instances. Taylor Swift's doing nothing wrong. Yep. Absolutely nothing wrong. Uh, Michael Broadcorp joining us. I, I, I want to talk about uh, one thing with the Vikings, and that is uh, is Kirk Cousins. Um, there has been some, we, of course, he's not signed yet, and, he, and we don't know really where they're going to go. To my knowledge, have you heard of a dollar number that he has definitive that that's been definitively reported that he's asking for? I haven't. I mean, I have a lot of people saying he's asking for ninety-five million, and I don't see that as a definitive statement from the Vikings or the Cousins camp. Either way, I think it's more people that don't want Kirk Cousins here putting out an, an insanely high number just to try to scare everyone away from wanting Kirk Cousins here. 
practice. I have not seen any definitive number okay. uh, that has been shared. I've seen some estimates and some ideas on uh, social media. Reuters had a story which said it was around $90 million. I just don't know that it's true. The only thing I can attest to is what I think a lot of Minnesotans and people are seeing, which is that Kirk Cousins is doing everything to show that he wants to stay here in Minnesota. I think he's been quoted saying that dollars are really not what it's about. I think Kirk Cousins wants to be here, and if it works within the the organizational structure and goals of the Vikings, I think he will. Um, but I haven't seen anything specific that I could report on uh, and, and, and validate. So your thoughts then on this? I'm going to throw this out. You can tell me higher, lower, what do you, whatever you think. I think you give them two years, 65 million, 65 to 70 million, two years. You basically say, come on in. Hopefully you're healthy. Uh, make only one of those years guaranteed in case his Achilles does not heal up correctly. You get into the second round. You get one of those good quarterbacks, maybe the guy from Oregon, the guy from Washington. You get them in the second round. That's your quarterback of the future. They're playing under under Cousins with the idea that that's where it's going to go. And he say, you know, at the end of that, if he wants to go to another team, you salute him and you say, thank you very much, all our best. Or you basically, or that, and then he ends his career, and you put him up in the ring there. But I think that if you're going to do that, I, I think that's where I'm thinking is is 65 to 70 million two years. Is that too high, too low in your mind? I think if we could get him at that spot, that would be great. I do wonder if that's a bit low, but I think I think your metrics and your calculus and how you've explained it makes sense. If we could get him at that, boy, that would be a I mean, we're talking $65 million, uh, and it's ridiculous for me to say that that's a steal. But I think that would be a, a, a good that, – that seems to be a dual price. I just wonder if it's a tad low. Mm-hmm. But, but your calculus, everything else that you've assigned, it, it's based on what I've read and what I've seen, makes absolute complete sense. Yeah, it's 32 to 35 mil per year. I mean, that's that's you're getting up there. I mean, I think that would put him in the top 10, I think, in QBs. And, you know, and that's also a big risk for the Vikings. You know, you had a very serious injury. We're, we're going to, we're willing to roll the dice with you, but we don't, you know, we, 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 you know, maybe, maybe put some incentives for the second year if things go great, you know, that sort of thing. But I just, I don't, I, I'm thinking it from the Viking side. I don't know if you want to go too much more than that. Yeah. I think that, you know, that would be a good get. If I read headlines that said that, and that was the dollar figure, I would think, boy, that worked out well for the Vikings. Uh, but I think your logic is sound, and I don't know if it bleeds into more of the seventy-ish million uh, or something like that. But boy, I mean, if that's the, the your metrics and kind of your analysis as to why that's making all the sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you hear the draft? Okay, Colin Coward, who is I think is an okay sports guy, he made this suggestion for the Vikings to trade this year: trade our eleven pick this year, our first round pick next year, and. Justin Jefferson to the Patriots to move up eight notches and get the third pick. And I said to myself, this is what you and I talked about before. These outlandish trades that get suggested, which are just pandering to a larger market, a more popular fan base at the expense of the Vikings, because that would be an insanely stupid trade if the the Vikings did that. Uh, I know my family is listening, so I need to be careful. If that trade were done... I would very well like lock myself with some type of chain to uh, TCF to the Vikings complex in some way. I would protest significantly. Please don't follow that. And and uh, that would be as we were talking about earlier, Matt. What's the edge? That would be a, an example of over the edge type situation. Boy, I hope that doesn't happen. 
All right, let's get to it. Uh, we have the Super Bowl. The San Francisco 49ers are uh, playing the Kansas City Chiefs in Las Vegas. And, uh, by the way, neither one of us is going to get a ticket to that game. That's what, $12,000 every ticket now. Uh, what is your thought? Who is going to win the Super Bowl this year? I still give the edge to uh, Kansas City, but I'm rooting for the 49ers because of a guy by the name of Brock Purdy. And there's... um. That's why I'm rooting for Brock Purdy. My father-in-law passed away recently. He was a big Brock Purdy fan, even though he was a Packers fan. And Brock Purdy is, I want to see, have a good game uh, for my father-in-law, who's now upstairs, up in heaven. And I hope that Brock Purdy has a great game. And so I'm going to be rooting for Brock Purdy. But I guarantee you, I'm not rooting against the Chiefs because of Taylor Swift. I'm going to root for Brock Purdy, and I hope the 49ers have a great game. How about you? All right, well, um, what, what's your score? What's your score prediction going to be? Oh, I would. It's. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I okay. actually think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I mean, um, you know, in you know, I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. How about you? I think it's. I think it's going to score somewhere in the high twenties, low thirties on either side. It's yes, going to I be. Agree. A, it's going to be a close game, and here is my linchpin. If it's a close game. If I got a quarterback out there that's going to get me a chance to win, not only would I take Patrick Mahomes over Brock Purdy, both good quarterbacks, but Mahomes has done this before. And then we need to remember what Andy Reid did last year to the Philadelphia Eagles in that Super Bowl, where he used the clock so efficiently against them to where they basically never got a chance to go back out in the field to try to win the game. And, you know, if, if you basically have... A, a coach that knows how to basically play that kind of chess with the clock and Patrick Mahomes, I have a hard time figuring out that if it's late in the game and it's close, that they're not going to figure out some way to win the game. I think it's going to be, I'll yeah, go 34 30, uh, Kansas City. Yeah, most of the scores that I've seen per, that have been predicted have been high scores. I think one of the most common predictors that I've seen is 27 24. A lot of the scores that I've seen predicted, the bulk of them are the Chiefs, and if they predict the Chiefs to win, they're predicting the Chiefs to win in the high 20s, low 30s. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, but that's And so that kind of 30s, you know, 27, 34, 37, you know, uh, something or other, I think that's where this game is going to be. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be a fast game, and it's going to be a great game to watch. It's going to be action-packed, I think. All right. Uh, it, let's. If you don't mind me picking your mind on politics for a quick session, we have the, the, we have the, the legislative session starts up here on Monday. Uh, the Republicans, uh, you know, they, they've kind of thrown some test balloons as far as issues that they were going to try to, to, to tie themselves to, to try to get to, you know, a situation where they're looking at the election for this in November. What can they kind of fuel the, the, the voter base to get out to the polls for them? I haven't really seen anything, especially the KSTP poll that came on out. I mean, the school lunch thing, 70% of the state likes that. So that one's toxic. They're not going to touch that. The child tax credit, that's there taxes, you know, social security tax. I, you know, I'm not sure what, what are you seeing as far as the issue du jour that the Minnesota GOP is going to, to hang their hat on this election cycle? I think they're going to try just, just my take. I think they need to look for some contrast issues. I think they need to, I think they want to want to talk about some bread and butter issues, taxes and spending things they can roll back. I wouldn't be surprised if Republicans bring up issues related to school resource officers um, or other types of things where they think the uh, Democrats maybe have, legislative Democrats have not cleaned up on some issues. There was talk last year, um, yeah, it was last year, talk last year after the session closed in the lead-up to school starting, 
but there may be a need for a special session to start some of that uh, SRO and a school resource officer situation. I think that w- w- the, the smart play for Republicans would be to delve into some of those fiscal issues, rein back some things, talk about some spending, um, p- discuss um, recalibrating potentially some overreach by the Democrats last legislative session. You know, I know, for instance, on school lunch matter, um, it's, it's popular, but there's been some there's been some concerns about some of the long term spending. I, I, I hope that Republicans don't get in the weeds on, on, the, on that larger issue. But I do think there's an opportunity uh, for Republicans to come back and talk about fiscal issues, where the state is going um, in terms of a spending opportunity, and start talking about some of those issues and making the appeal to the suburbs uh, where they need, to, they need to substantively make up some ground. I think is going to be a good spot. I think one thing in particular, and this was there was a story about this, um, and we can. You know, I'd love to talk about this more in depth at a later point. But you know, there was there's been a proposal uh, to kind of carve out Minnesota as a bit of a sanctuary state. I can see the Democrats coming in, and, and whether they bring it up proactively in some ways. I think there was a bill that was drafted, but Republicans might bring that up too and start having some of those. Some of those types of discussion, too. Again, this is a shorter session, um, and this is the session right before the legislative session, before, even before the election season. If I'm a Democrat, I would like there to be as short and as concise of a session that can happen. Um, the Republicans, I think, needed to be a little bit pro- prolonged, and they need to kind of dust up the Democrats because this very will likely be absent a special session the last opportunity for the the respective caucuses to come up with kind of their packages and information by which they want to run the election through. I do. I do not think the the Democrats, I'll be surprised if they try to bring up the sanctuary city thing, because that, that would be a vulnerability, especially in a lot of suburban areas and stuff like that. I think that would be, we'll have to see where that goes. Are you, you, your, your plan sounds solid kind of, but it sounds solid with old school Republicans, you know, kind of the precision going in with a scalpel. You've got a lot of Republicans in the the Minnesota GOP who basically are sledgehammers and they are not nuanced and they're not there. You know, all it takes is one guy out there talking about, I don't care about feeding hungry kids. And all of a sudden the GOP has got a nightmare trying to spin that or trying to get people to ignore this. Do you think that there have been conversations or at least attempts by the Minnesota GOP leadership to go to kind of some of these more MAGA senators and, and representatives and say, guys, you know, I need you to keep this in check until we get through November. Is it, do you think any of that's happened? I haven't been a part of those conversations. I don't know. Uh, I haven't been a part of those conversations, so I wouldn't know. But, you know, I think it's, I think that, you know, yes, I would like, I don't know if those conversations have happened. I think that any opportunity that Republicans can have from a messaging standpoint, meaning they can win, not a statewide Republicans win statewide, uh, meaning they can win, not a statewide Republicans win statewide, uh, meaning they can win, not a statewide election, but they can, you know, win some of these local races and have a possible coalition. Just speaking legislatively, of course, that would be, I think, a beneficial conversation to have. Now, there is a U.S. Senate race up in Minnesota this year. Amy Klobuchar is running for re-election, and so through the lens of that Senate candidate on the Republican side, they're going to have to mobilize the entire state. And so there is going to be a statewide message uh, that will be carried by that candidate. But locally, 
the Republicans, uh, I think at the, at the local level on these legislative campaigns, they just need to be make sure that they're able to speak to as many audiences as they can, and some of those audiences that they have lost. Mm-hmm. And so they need to make sure that whatever messaging they do is, is framed through that package. The do you think that I mean so far I'm, I'm nothing you know nothing impersonal against the people who have announced they're going to run against Klobuchar, you're not really seeing the traction. Are any of the big names in the Republican Party? Do you think any of them are kicking around the idea of trying to take on Amy Klobuchar? I still think there is. I mean, here's just the political reality: is is you know um, Senator Klobuchar is in a very strong position, and there needs to be a responsible candidate that runs. But, you know, I know there's been some recent polling that uh, a media outlet did about, you know, showing that both, I think, the presidential race is relatively close here in Minnesota and that Klobuchar's uh, was in a, a strong position, but maybe not as strong as she had been before. I think when the campaign ramps up, I think, um, I think you know, that may spread. A, there may be a little bit of a spread there, but Klobuchar is in a very strong position. She's got a good brand. She's She is a, a strong incumbent. And... That doesn't change the reality that Republicans have to put forth a responsible candidate that can run against and offer a message that the Republican candidate believes should be a question that should be laid in front of the voters. You know, it's just a tough race, Matt. I mean, you know, Republicans haven't won statewide since 2006. Um, They had close opportunities this past election cycle that were very close. But uh, in terms of tackling a statewide win, we were just kind of listing all of the candidates that have been elected statewide, mm-hmm. knocking off Senator Klobuchar, while it <laughs> needs to be a goal of Republicans and that they get a good candidate. That's a tough. That's a tough task. Wow, that's actually a good point. Uh, probably the toughest of, of that of, of, of yeah. all the statewide races. That's that's your the biggest hurdle for you to climb. And yeah, that's it's going to be interesting. I mean, you need to have someone that's you know that's got that popularity and, and so far none of the, the the best candidates I think from the Republican Party have have come forward on that uh, outstanding come back let's have you back here in a few weeks and we'll talk some politics stuff okay that sounds wonderful and thank better- you so much for the opportunity to be on to talk Vikings I hope to come back next season under better NFL circumstances but I just always appreciate the opportunity to come on in any capacity you come back on Monday we'll do a really quick recap on Monday after the game okay Sounds great, sir. Okay, cool. Michael Broadcorp, uh, Vikings expert and uh, politics from the right in the state of Minnesota. Kind enough to join us today. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show. I got some breaking news I'm going to get to here in just a second. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. We have got Listener Appreciation Month going on right now at AM 950. Uh, Once again, we got a meet and greet. It's tickets only, though. You can't buy tickets and you have to win tickets into the meet and greet. You have to win tickets into the meet and greet. It's not something you can go up and pay for tickets at the door. I just want to make sure I'm very clear about that. This is a private event. So to get tickets, you've got to win them. Guess what right now we're going to do? 952-946-6205. 
952-946-6205. Caller number five. Caller number five. You'll get yourself a pair of tickets to the meet and greet on Tuesday. We are doing from 6 to 8 p.m. Good luck with that. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. And like I said, you can only win tickets into this. You can't buy your way into this. This is a by winning tickets only thing. All right? So caller number five, good luck up there. So uh, I want to go, first of all, to the breaking news. And it's interesting because I had a story that was on this, too. Lutzen Lodge, of course, was destroyed three days ago out of the fire. The Cook County Sheriff is now stepping in. According to the Cook County Sheriff's Office, the area of the Lutzen Lodge is now declared an official crime scene. This comes as the state fire marshal announced on Wednesday that there were seven violations at the lodge's Last inspection in July, and as far as they knew, there had not been the three had not been fixed at the time of the fire. Authorities are asking the public not to enter the area without permission. Deputies are patrolling the area. Anyone found inside tape perimeter will be arrested at this point. Now, I'm mentioning this because I as well had this story coming on up, which, okay, so the guy that runs Lutz and Lodge, he's come on out there and said, anyone stop talking about arson, stop talking about other things, we were fine. But then Fox 9 had this story following the devastating fire this week that destroyed the historic Lutzen Lodge. Fox 9 had now learned that several lawsuits were filed against the resort by neighboring cabin owners just days before the blaze. Since February 1st, four property owners whose cabins were managed and rented out by Lutzen Resorts have claimed they have been owed more than a total of more than $50,000 by the owner of Lutzen Lodge, with several stating they last received payments in July. Karen and Bob Nagel, like so many others, felt their loss when they heard the news of the fire at the, long, uh, at the resort along Lake Superior in Minnesota's Arrowhead region. Super devastating. Thankful it didn't climb up the hill up to the other properties, so that's good, said Karen Nagel. The Nagels married in the lodge in 2013. They brought a cabin nearby the following year. Like many of their neighbors, the cabin was booked and managed by Lutzen with rental fees split 50-50 with the resort. However, since the current owner took over in 2018, the Nagels have experienced issues with late payments, but now say for the last four months of 2023, they haven't been paid at all to an estimated amount of $13,000 owed. Bob Nagel shared their frustration, citing excuses like, oh, the computer's broken down, we've got a new accountant, and for the lack of payment. That's not a good sign. They filed a civil claim against the owner of Lutzen Resorts on February 1st, followed by three other cabin owners with several similar grievances regarding payments since August before the abnormally slow winter months. And even though the fall months were busy, we just want our money, you know, super sad about what happened in Lodge. But today we would like our money, said Karen Nagel expressed, uncertain about the likelihood of seeing any compensation. The Nagel's agreement with Lutzen Resorts expired at the end of 2023, and they, along with several others, have since switched to a different management company, attempts to reach Bryce Campbell, the owner of Lutzen Lodge, for comment, but have been unsuccessful. Meanwhile, the state fire marshal is continuing its investigation. Once again, the Cook County Sheriff now is treating the site of the, uh, the burned structure as a crime scene. Yeah. When I hear the line, what was the, where is it uh, that he said, there's a lot of excuses. Oh, the computer's broken down. We've got a new accountant. That doesn't point in the positive direction. If you have an long established that he, okay. I don't know where this is going. Hey, I want to be very clear. 
until someone tells me differently, I'm going to presume this was such a terrible accident, and that's just that. Now you have fire code violations. Now you have, as well, people owed money by the owner of the Lutzen Lodge for the last four months. I understand, dude, you came on out and you, you, you basically are like, how dare anyone kind of talk about arson and stuff like this? Uh, you got to clean a few of these things up. I, I think, you know, it, at the very least, I, I think, uh, you know, you, uh, being a little more straightforward is, is an important thing. And the fact that these were established cases, so you knew these cases were out there, is not like something that they were just coming to you. And it sounds like the computer's broken down. That's not a viable excuse to not paying four months worth of bills, man. That's that's trouble. 952-946-6205. Before we get into uh, the uh, n- next story here, uh, Patrick, we have a winner? Yes, Brad from Robbinsdale. You've won two tickets to our private event Tuesday night. All right, good deal. All right. Uh, and once again, a little reminder, too, once you've won something on uh, the, uh, the, 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 the shindig here, the, uh, the listener appreciation month, let's make sure we give everyone else out there one winner per the month there. So, you know, congratulations, Brad. We're going to see you at the meet and greet coming up here. We've got other giveaways to, all next week, so make sure you're listening here. Plus, we're going to try – we've got a wheel. Uh, we've got a wheel that's going to be a random wheel of spinning that we're going to have here at AM 950 to give away some more stuff I think, is, is it going to be on Monday we're going to try that? I'll have to confirm. For some reason, I thought it was later next week, but it could be Monday. We'll see. We got this. It's high tech here at AM 950, so make sure you're here for that. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So here's the other, another case we're getting an update on, and this is this is broke uh, you know, about 2 o'clock this afternoon. In a Dinah man who initially denied killing a small-town doctor in a hit-and-run as she walked her dogs near Lake Malax last fall, said in a follow-up interview with investigators that he doesn't remember hitting the woman with his Tesla, but if he did, oh my God, would have been driving on autopilot and checking emails according to a newly filed court records. Oh, no. Yikes. The latest disclosures came in a search warrant affidavits filed Thursday and Friday by law enforcement asking for court permission to search the man's email account and data on his cell phone. They have been investigating the death of 56-year-old Kathy Ann Donovan around sunset on November 13th along northbound Highway 169 near the lake's southern shoreline. Suspicions pointing to the 42-year-old man have surfaced in an affidavit filed in January 30th that revealed his cell phone was in the area about the time Donovan was hit. A windshield wiper was on the pavement near Donovan's body, and the SVU appeared similar to one captured on separate surveillance videos uh, of the stretch of the highway around the time of the crash. Malek's County Sheriff's Kyle Burton said that the facts are significant and added, I think that we're sure we've established probable cause, the legal term for what justifies charges being filed. Charges have not yet have yet to be filed, though. No. Yeah. The Star Tribune generally doesn't identify the people then. The, uh, the man's attorney, David Risk, said in an email Friday to the Strib, my client is inconsolable thinking about what he was involved in the accident with Miss Donovan when he is heartbreaking for his family, her loved ones, and the community. My client voluntarily spoke to investigators and he explained that it's probable his car could have been Using Tesla's full self-driving capability, he will continue to fully cooperate with the investigation until the completion 
as we continue to learn new information, risk growth. Two weeks after the man denied it, hit, it, it, he hit Donovan. So once again, this is new. He's, he's initially denied he had anything to do with this. Now it's like, well, if I did hit her, I was surfing email while um, uh, the car was on autopilot. And you know, this comes after they've got the affidavits for him to search his email. So I think he's at least the, the presumption is he knows that's going to be caught that he'd been searching his email at that time. And if his phone was dinging and he was driving the car and all these things, it's pointing there. Um, the, 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 the point about this and the, this didn't the last story on this talk about how an eyewitness said that the victim was up on the windshield of the car. I could have sworn that I, 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 I am, I am sincerely asking that question. I thought the last time there was a story on this, that it was, that that was the story was, it was that one of the eyewitnesses had seen a car similar to the, the, this, the, the Tesla and had seen the person on the windshield of the car, which becomes a little bit harder for someone to, in, uh, to argue that I don't remember if the person was basically splayed across the front of the car. I mean, I think about, you know, the, the South Dakota attorney general who said, I don't, I thought I hit a deer when the, 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 the sheriff's office out there in South Dakota found the victim's glasses in the front seat of the car. Um, I remember when uh censor's wife got Fanthavong over on the, on 94 Riverside and the argument was we she she had thought she had hit I thought if I remember correctly she had thought she had hit a orange barrel out there on the ramp and it was determined that he probably went over the car directly so it's I I think that there's evidence will show what happened here and the fact that that, that this driver. And once again, I want to be very clear. I think it is fairly disgusting that there, you know, it, if this was a black man from Minneapolis, they'd been charged already. Heck, they'd probably be in jail already. Let's just be honest about it. Um, the fact that he basically, it's, he doesn't remember and Tesla was on autopilot checking emails, which then brings us to the point about the Tesla. You know, Elon Musk great invention that, you know, this is by far not the only problem they've had with autopilot. If autopilot was engaged, my guess is Tesla will have that information on the car. There's probably a black box equivalent of that, uh, on the car. So they'll, they'll be able to determine this is not the first time that the autopilot has struck people, killed people even on these Tesla's. If that is the case, um, you know, we see these videos, you've seen these videos of the people driving a Tesla car and they've got the freaking, the Apple visors on and they're doing all sorts of work and stuff while the car is driving. 
What are you doing, you freaking idiots? I get it. You have convinced yourself you're some kind of cool tech guy. But you're responsible for that car. You Don't you understand? And that's a large piece of metal with glass. It's going to do some damage if you hit somebody with it. And frankly, if you've got enough money for a Tesla or enough money for the, 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 the Apple eyeglass thing, the, uh, the eye mask, you probably have enough money for someone to drive you someplace and not have to worry about that. But here we are, man. Yeah, these, these stories are somewhat disturbing. And it'll be interesting to see where they go with this. And, you know, it, you know, we, we, you know, if they've got enough evidence on this guy, if, 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 I said if, if they have enough evidence on this guy, will he actually ever be convicted? Because one of the things that's become painfully obvious in our society is that if you've got the money and you can mount your defense, the chances of you actually going to jail are slim to none. Now, I, you know, I, I don't, I, it sounds like at least from the, the previous stories we've heard, there sounds like there's enough just circumstantial evidence here to at the very least warrant some investigation, but we'll have to see. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. One last story on the crime blotter circuit here today. Two men are in custody after a Southern Minnesota drug task force confiscated hundreds, hundreds of marijuana plants during a raid in Faribault County on Thursday. The South Central Drug Investigation Unit says Scott Robertson and his son were arrested after agents executed search warrants on three properties in the community of Winnebago. The SCDIU, the SCDIU Unit Commander Ben Johnson said approximately 240 plants believed to be marijuana were confiscated along with the property, other property to be used to evidence of the case. Both Robertsons are being held on offenses related to the cultivation of marijuana pending formal charges. Uh, Johnson said in a news release, the raid is part of an ongoing multi-agency investigation that began back in 2023. Oh, and by the way, here's this little nugget to throw in here. Scott Robinson is the mayor of Winnebago. This is via a write-in campaign back in 2021 when no one, no one officially filed for the office. He's a public official. That's why Kara Levin in this story case is naming him before the charges are filed. So the mayor of Winnebago apparently had 240 dope plants. I don't, do you think you're going to get grandfather clawed in on that stuff? I, I, I don't know if that's nearly as the investment you think it is. Well, especially when it's going to be legal here. It's like, you know, I, I, you know, you don't see people sitting on the side of the road saying, "Hey, you want to buy some gas? <laughs> so let's go to the gas station." I, I don't need you to. No, stop siphoning. Stop. Get 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 away with the sucking of the tube. <sighs> yeah, police blotter for you on your Friday. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. We'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the week with some music. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM nine fifty.
So I've had multiple people chime in on the Ruben controversy from earlier, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> the um, Once again, the, the, the Ruben controversy comes back to that. I said pumpernickel, and multiple people said, no, it's not pumpernickel. It's a rye. And I'm like, well, isn't pumpernickel a rye? And there's a, it, it's, it's gone back and forth. Uh, multiple people have, have pointed out that it can go either way. And hey, who doesn't like going both ways, huh? Um, yeah, <laughs> the I'm going to go with pumpernickel. That's that. that is, I don't want to. I don't want to get anyone. I don't want the turkey, and I don't want cheddar, and I don't want coleslaw. I just want to. I want a Reuben, man. And and by the way, if if this is what really has upset you, if me saying pumpernickel on a Reuben has got you over the edge. God, I wish I had your life stress levels. Holy God. Oh. Uh, Patrick, once again, what was your pick on the, the Super Bowl game for on uh, on uh, Sunday here? I believe I said the 49ers, 28-24. Uh, 28-24. So you got a, you got a pretty high-scoring game, too. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping that I just wanted a good game. It sounds like the commercials are going to be pretty good this year, too. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I kind of echo your sentiment. As soon as the Packers were out, I just wanted good games. Just wanted a good game. Uh, and so far, it's been the case. I think, especially those Chiefs games, the game of Buffalo and the game of Baltimore were good. So hopefully that that stays true. Uh, Listener Appreciation Month continues. I want to remind you of that. That's going to continue uh, all the way through the month here. So, yay. Uh, once again, Brad and Robsdale, thank you very much. Congratulations. You're going to be at the meet and greet. Uh, we got more tickets to give away, and I got to tell you, next week I've got some I got some pretty cool tickets to give away next week. So make sure you're listening every day. Listen to my show. Listen to Robert Pilot, Native Roots Radio. Listen to Greg Bakken, a fantastic Ghost Box Radio. If you're not listening to Ghost Box, man, Ghost Box Ghost Box kicks caboose. That's weeknights right here on AM 950. So make sure you're joining us for all these shows and 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 enjoy and get your chance. And yeah, it's listener appreciation. Once again, sign up on the email by going to am950radio.com. You can click on the email, sign up there. Not only will you be entered in for uh, giveaways on that, but as well through the newsletter, we'll be able to do, to uh, yeah, give you some more ways you can win there. And then go to the Facebook page for AM950 and like that page and like and post, and you'll be entered in for other things there as well. All right. Uh, it is a Friday. I got a great one. Jungle. Back on 74. This takes us out today. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on a Monday. Until then, see ya. Hey.